to Koshian Cast, the weekly sports anime fan podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me today is a very special guest, Matt. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Alright, so today's episode is a little out of the ordinary. Normally we go through every episode of every currently airing sports anime, uh, but this week we're going to be taking a step back and looking at a series that recently completed its run. Specifically, we're going to be looking at Season 3 of Haikyuu. Um, Woo! Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I don't want to you know, waste any time with mere formalities, Matt, so we're just going to dive right in. The first thing I'm curious about is your experience with the show coming into Season 3 and maybe some of what your expectations were. Okay, so... I actually just watched the rest of the series uh, earlier this year. This was actually the... I pretty much marathoned it over the summer, and I just couldn't stop watching it. Like, I just... I love everything about the first two seasons. Just the animation, a lot of the plot beats, a lot of the... uh, Just the games themselves are very exciting, unpredictable. I was really just looking for an extension of that going into this season. Hmm. Yeah, I was uh, in a little different boat in that I watched the show from the beginning. Um, you know, not not I I started watching during the first season. I, I sort of caught up and then watched the end of the first season, then watched the second season as it came out. And um, I it always had a special place in my heart, just in that it's a pretty well executed sports anime. It has the budget to portray the things it's trying to portray which is something that not not many sports anime can necessarily say for themselves so needless to say i was very excited to get a a season even a short season um back at the the beginning of this season though i remember on on the the first episode of our podcast we said i i said that i was worried this show was going to be too slow paced and uh that while i was confident the animation would be good i was worried the story would would lag um, right over the course of the episodes um but either way i i i was i was hopeful going in and i think it i think it definitely bore fruit uh so the for those who don't know obviously this is going to be very spoilery but uh i'll give a quick summary of how the series went so it's easy to summarize because the entire third season was just a single match so this was the final match of the preliminaries for the uh, National uh, High School Volleyball Tournament, and Karasuno was facing against their prefecture's powerhouse high school, Shiratorizawa. And uh, so Karasuno was trying to regain their glory, regain their, their heritage that ha- they'd lost over the ensuing years from... Uh, decades ago when they used to be a really strong school, they were trying trying to be strong again and go back to nationals, and then Shiratorizawa was trying to just sort of reclaim their place as, and their right of going to nationals every year. Um, there was a lot of back and forth. The teams sort of struggled to figure one another out, uh, but it went to full sets, and then it went to extra points in the last set, and ultimately, uh, Karasuno was able to overcome Shiratorizawa's strength through their own uh, unique strategy 
and come out on top. And so by at the end of season three, we see Karasuno advancing on to uh, the national tournament, and we'll see where the story goes from there. Um, well, hopefully at the very least. It'll yeah. probably be a while until the next season. Exactly. So that just means that we get to watch the first three seasons over and over, right? <laughs> um, all right, so we've gone through this show week by week. So, you know, if you're interested to listen to our thoughts on a specific episode, you can go back and listen to our discussion of the, those first ten episodes. Um, I want to look at this show a little more broadly uh, and maybe key in on some, some themes that the show carried throughout its run. Uh, the first one... Just looking at the main characters in on Karasuno, I think one of the most interesting developments was that it felt like Suki was as much a main character as Hinata this season. Right. There were actually a few points where I felt like Hinata was kind of thrown to the wayside. I, Hinata actually didn't start acting more in his role of main character until closer to the end of the series... Yeah. Or the season. Uh, it, this was actually really Suki's big game. And it yeah, was interesting. It was interesting, too, because uh, Suki has been built up throughout the entirety of this show. He's actually been going through this character arc in the background uh, throughout these other seasons. Uh Basically, in behind, like the series generally gives more attention to you know Hinata and Kageyama's dynamic as the uh, the spiker and the setter, but uh, Suki's always had this. Uh, he's always he's described himself in past seasons as being the moon to Hinata's sun. Basically, mm -hmm. they are very rarely on the same line. They're never on the same line during the games. And so whenever Hinata's in the back, uh, Suki's in the front maintaining and managing stability and is really their best form of defense. Right. And so it was interesting to see uh, Suki take a much more uh, proactive role in this game. Yeah, it, w it was interesting too, I think, just his emotional development. Um, because that's that's been the big theme is Suki has always been a strong volleyball players had a natural tendency towards being a being a blocker um he has always you know everyone's always said talked about how much potential he has but he's never really emotionally invested in the team right um even you saw in the second season when they were at the training camp there were a lot of other players who were trying to motivate him to get more invested and he sort of did but only because he was being forced to um and that, that sort of all culminated with this match where he actually started caring in a new right. way because uh it was it was building upon uh, a little plot thread that was established in the previous season where he had a conversation with his brother who was kind of... He was a player, but he was kind of a mediocre player. Yeah. Uh, but he kept wanting to play because he wanted... Because he wanted that one moment that uh -huh. really, like, defined his career or his... Uh, defined the game for him. And Su and I, the implication here is that we uh, Suki got his moment that his brother once had, which was his big block against... Uh, uh, Ushiwaka, who's the, who was Shiro Torizawa's star player. 
Right. Um, it was interesting, though, that uh, we see that... Because a lot of times what a lot of sports series will do is they will develop a character during the game. They'll develop a side character during the game. Uh, for example, a great example of this is in Ice Shield 21 with the character Komusubi, who's generally a pretty minor character, but they focus on one match where he's actually pretty useful during the, the Poseidon. Sorry, spoilers. Uh, but what... Uh, so, in a way, Suki felt like this was... Uh, that moment where they the game where the series was going to try and portray the side character, you know, give him his his big uh, his big spotlight moment. But generally, what happens is with a lot of sports series, they kind of end the development of that character right there. Right. So one of the things I really appreciated from the end of the season was that at the very end of the match, uh, Suki himself is actually pretty intently uh, expressly stated that he wasn't satisfied with this game. Yeah, and it's it's nice because what the what the way I felt is that the show started out very clearly. Hinata and Kageyama were the main characters. They were supposed to play off each other, and everyone else would support those two characters. Uh, as we've progressed, it's actually become those two have sort of faded back, and there is no main character. So Suki became a much more prominent character this season. Right. Uh, but I really couldn't identify anyone who acted as the main. You really do feel like the team is the main character, as cheesy as that sounds. Well, no, I mean, I think that's a great point. Uh, actually, today, just before we started recording here, when I woke up this morning, I decided to read just the first volume of uh, Haikyuu, of the manga, just to kind of give myself a bit of a refresher of how the series started. And that's actually a very recurring theme throughout the series, which is the fact that uh, this is not, like, there's no singular individual character who's supposed to be important to the team. It's, uh, like, everybody serves a role, but it's, what's most important is the team as a whole. And this is, this kind of contradicts, uh, Shiratori Sawa's style, which is everything is built, is, uh, based around the fact that it's all based around the, uh, it's all unified around Ushiwaka. Yeah. So, do you want to move on and discuss Ushiwaka as sort of a, a counterpart? So, if, if we're talking about Karasuno, one of the recurring themes is Karasuno being a team that works together, you know, they're a murder of crows facing a single eagle, and Ushiwaka is this representative single eagle who right. can carry the team on his back. Um, do you want to sort of address Ushiwaka as a character and how he grew based on what we knew from previous seasons uh, into what we saw by the end of the match. Yeah, sure thing. It was uh, it was kind of interesting going into the season, and this was one of, uh, one of our favorite parts about the series as well, was that Ushiwaka was a very bland character going into this. Not necessarily a bad character. The only thing we knew about him was that he was arrogant and... He was, he had full belief in his own abilities, and he just didn't like Hinata for that. Because yeah. he saw, he, yeah. he, he got annoyed by Hinata's whole, like, I'm, like, his whole self-made style. And he kind of saw everybody else at, that wasn't on his team as garbage. He had some respect from Oikawa, who was the, uh, who was kind of the main, uh, team leader of, uh, Alba Josai, which was the main team from the past couple seasons. Right. But beyond that, 
he really didn't have a lot of belief in the abilities of anybody of anybody but Oikawa and himself. I mean, I think it was as much that he wasn't interested in anybody else. Right. You know, he knew... It, and I, I think, I, I want to phrase this carefully, because I didn't necessarily read him as arrogant. I read him as confident. Like, right. He knew... It wasn't that he felt like he had to build himself up arrogantly. It's that he knew, with a simple, pure knowledge, that he was the best player on the best team. Um, okay, so let me uh, let me counter that uh, with by asking you this: Is that your interpretation of his character going uh, after the season or <laughs> before you went to the season? That's fair. Um, I, it's it, it, it's kind of hard to parse now, looking back, because you you didn't have that much exposure to him. You, like Ushiwaka, on some level, before this season was treated like a myth, right? Right, uh, because. Every time they talked about, like, you know, I think we can really beat Alba Josai, uh, Alba Josai, but even if we do, we have to play Ushiwaka. You know, he's treated sort of right. like this monolith. So, I don't know. Maybe he did seem arrogant before. It's, I, it, it's hard for me to tell. I don't really know. I think it partially comes from the fact that we were seeing this whole situation from Hinata's perspective oh, yeah. when we were first actually introduced to him. So I think maybe based on that, he came... Uh, like, at least that was, that's how it was to me. Because, you know, here's this guy who doesn't even know their team, who doesn't... I don't even think bothered to watch their game. Yeah. And he was basically talking down on the Karasuno without even watching them play. You know, because he mentioned that... Alba, uh, that uh, Oikawa was making was making do with what he could in the dirt, mm. and there was this whole running theme of uh, well, if the, of uh, Karasuno Hanada mentions well, if they're from the dirt, then we're we got to be concrete then. Yeah, and so I guess in that situation, I was sympathizing a bit more with Hinata. However, you did touch upon that po- an interesting point there because. I think after the season, we come out seeing Ushiwaka from a different perspective, and I'll let you go ahead and uh, discuss that a little further. Sure. Yeah, I uh, I really appreciated how they developed Ushiwaka, where coming coming in, like I said, he seemed like a legendary, mythic-level player who had no shortcomings. Um, but you get a few shots from his perspective... And it's not that he's arrogant, it's just that, like, he grew up playing volleyball with his dad, and he really wanted to succeed because his dad enjoyed volleyball, and so he kept playing, and he just got really good. He plays with his left hand, and he sort of sees himself as an outsider because of it, because, uh, he, you know, he doesn't play with a traditional style, um, and so he just decided to work hard and overcome that anyway. Uh, and the the fact that he's so aloof uh, isn't because he thinks he's better than anyone. That's how he is with his own team. That's right. how he interacts with his friends. He's just sort of like a quiet guy who works hard and doesn't express himself very well. Uh, but there's no malice there. That's just his personality. So that, that was kind of fun to see. Right. Yeah, and that was kind of interesting too because we actually got to start seeing things from his perspective. And his thing was, I don't, he didn't, he only kind of disliked Hinata. Like I think when we go went into the series into the season, we had this sort of expectation that he just really detested Hinata based on, you know, 
Hinata was making all these grand proclamations to him about how he was going to crush him, about how they were going to show him how people from the concrete can, like, bring down these, like, powerhouse teams. Ushiwaka's interpretation was, yeah, he's kind of annoying, but that's really all I feel towards him. Yeah, exactly. And and you see that evolve somewhat through the match, where he just... U- Ushiwaka doesn't really have an emotional connection to the match until you get to the fifth set, and he starts right. to feel like there's a possibility that they could lose, which is an unfamiliar feeling for him. Uh, so he finally starts to care. He finally actually starts to enjoy himself once he feels that risk and that fear. Because usually right. he's just so simply dominant that he doesn't have to emotionally invest in a game. Um, and this is the first time he does. So you see by the end of the show, even though he loses, he's not that upset because he actually enjoyed volleyball for the first, you know, you know, in a way that he was looking forward to. He was, he was able to face strong opponents in a way that he often doesn't. Um, so I thought that was fun. It's it's also interesting. By the end of the show, it it very much becomes the way you expect it would be going in with Ushiwaka and Hinata sort of being counterparts and trying to one up each other and trying to prove to the other that they're strong. Uh, but in the beginning of the match, you've actually got a less expected combination with Ushiwaka facing off against Nishinoya and uh, I don't know if you want to go about that a little bit well it kind of makes sense in uh because the whole the whole point about that particular matchup is that Nishinoya being the libero being the major defense of the team he feels it's his personal responsibility to be the one to stand up to Ushiwaka because you know you know he's this big giant powerhouse and so if anybody else if if nobody else can go up against him then everything needs to be done to put him and Ushiwaka into a basically into a duel yeah and my general takeaway from that was that Nishinoya is he can deal with Ushiwaka but again this this is it's done more to serve the fact that they can't just rely on one person to carry that team. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's because the only reason that Nishinoya can handle Ushiwaka at all is because uh, the blockers are able to funnel Ushiwaka's spikes so that he's, you know, Ushiwaka is forced to uh, spike straight at Nishinoya because the blockers are able to cover the cross. Um, And so... The only reason that Nishinoya is able to defend is because of that. In the same way that you see at different points, Suki is facing off against Ushiwaka, and that that's because you know he's a blocker. He's able to learn the timing to match Ushiwaka. Uh, at other points, it's Hinata. Um, but really, there throughout throughout the show, you see different members of Karasuno stand up and take responsibility for going toe-to-toe with uh, Ushiwaka, but really, um, he's the only one that ever stands up for Shiratorizawa the whole time. Tendo has some moments of that. Like, I, I really love this reveal that they uh, that they do in the very first episode of the series, because I, I love how much they just blaze through that first game just to show how much of a dominating force Ushiwaka is. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and so you're going into this match like, okay, Ushiwaka's really going to be the only threat during this match. 
And uh, at the very end of the episode, when they finally seem to actually have him cornered and may actually score a legitimate point against him, Tendo pops up almost out of nowhere and manages to guess which one of uh, which uh, which person they're sending the uh, Kageyama sending the spike to, and he's like, "Nope, guess what? You gotta go through me first. Yeah. And I love the way that they're able to establish, uh, like that's always been one of the strongest uh, parts about Haikyuu, I feel has always been how it establishes the characters and how it sets up the different dynamics between the teams without really beating your face in about it. Yeah, what did... So, Tendo sort of served as the the secondary and probably more vocal character right. from the Shiratorizawa side. So, what did, what did you think of his um, development, I guess, through through the season? It was interesting to see because, so again, kind of our expectations going into the series was that Ushiwaka was going to be kind of the menace, the big menacing force. Right. It's a it's a very common trope that a lot of sports series play with, which is the he uh, Ushiwaka is basically this perfect player that nobody can take down, and so every so everybody kind of ex and a lot of times those characters as are built up as being exceedingly arrogant. Or, or, you know, very full of themselves and very villainous because they think that they can let their talent control their, uh... Basically, they think their talent excuses them from whatever they do. Right. And so you kind of expect that out of Ushiwaka. But really, uh, I like the way how the series subverts it by actually, you know, what you were talking about before with Ushiwaka. And it actually gives that role to Tendo. Uh. And what's interesting, because Tendo's whole thing is that but it's again, it's a bit of a subversion of that because Tendo's whole thing isn't that he's he only has one real talent, which is the fact that he can tell he can guess. He's the guess monster, as they refer to him. <laughs> That's a great nickname. <laughs> that is an amazing nickname. Uh, but he uses that not he the reason why he loves to do that isn't because. You know, that's that's the role he feels he serves on the team or anything like that. No, he does it because he likes to torture people. Yeah, well, uh, at, at one point when he sort of shuts down Suga, he remembers the fact that even since he was a little kid, Tendo has loved the feeling of seeing someone's heart get broken in front of him when they when he can block them in volleyball. Right. Uh, because he, he just feels like blocks are the most emotionally devastating way to shut someone down because they're <laughs> so excited, they're so confident, they get a spike, and then you just put your hands up and stop it. Um, so he's always felt like he was alienated, he's sort of been a weirdo, people are uncomfortable around him, and he takes that and he turns it around by making it impossible for people to ignore him by, you know, sort of crushing their aspirations. So he's not necessarily a nice person. Right. You can't tell exactly how malicious it is. He doesn't seem like an... He's not an evil character. It's right. just that he... He's a he, bit of a sadist. Yeah, exactly. He enjoys, I... he enjoys making other people sad. But it's not like <laughs> he hurts people. It's not like he's a bully. He just keeps it on the volleyball court and he likes to... Um, shut people down. Right. And I guess what I really appreciate is the way that they you how they kind of play with your expectations about what you might know about sports series to kind of turn the more menacing figure from Ushiwaka into Tendo. 
I would have liked to see them develop that just a little bit more. Like, I, I feel like the only real payoff we get about that is in the very final rally uh, of the game. And there's this moment where everybody ru is rushing up and Tendo is like, crap, I can't tell who they are. Yeah. I like, crap, I don't know who it's going to. And I guess that's supposed to be the big moment where they end up, you know, that's like, that's Tendo's big loss. Yeah. And I, on one hand, I do appreciate the way that the series expects you to, it expects a little bit more out of you. Mm -hmm. I might have liked to ha see a bit more of a crushing defeat on Tendo's end, I think. Well, he... On one level, he did because at the very end, he said that that was his last volleyball game. You know, he I said, suppose that's fair. And, and I guess, and that wasn't so much that he was defeated. He was just sort of decided, like, well, I guess I don't need this anymore. You know, like whatever. He just sort of said farewell to that phase of his life and decided right. to move on. Right, and I I do get that. I guess I, I I'm guessing more of like I guess an emotional breakdown. Like maybe just like a scream at the end of the match, like a shout. Because I wouldn't expect that out of Ushiwaka, but Tendo was kind of the one I was expecting more of an emotional reaction. Yeah, his his reaction was farewell, my paradise. Yeah, uh, essentially. Um, so I I want to address some of the other characters on Shiratorizawa before we move back to the Karasuno side. Um, oh please. So really, the in terms of the the players on Shiratorizawa, it's mostly Ushiwaka and uh, Tendo. But also, they, they have some supporting characters, too. Um, and there's three that I want to bring up briefly, which is Shirabu, who is the setter. Uh, Sutomu, who is sort of the other wing spiker. Uh, he's a, a first year who's uh, essentially next in line to be the ace after Ushiwaka leaves. And then Sena, who's a... He's actually trained as a setter, but he only functions as a pinch server. Um, and what I thought w was interesting about these guys is that they all exemplify through, you know, different approaches, the Shiratorizawa style, which I think of as selfishness, um, where they all play exactly their style, exactly the way they specifically individually want to play it. Um, okay. Because Shiratorizawa is sort of built up to be a team full of individuals, whereas Karasuno is supposed to be, you know, this this team that works together and depends on one another. Shiratorizawa, they all depend only on themselves uh, together. You know, it, it's sort of it's sort of sort of weird, but it's you know, honestly it's how a lot of organizations work. Um, right. So Shirabu, his his selfishness is that he's not he's not confident enough in himself. Uh, and he doesn't actually believe in his own abilities as a setter. So he chooses to be selfish and not work as a setter. He just works to set up Ushiwaka right. to do his work for him. He kind of passes off all of the glory to Ushiwaka just so he can watch. Because his whole, if I recall, his whole motivation is that he really likes watching Ushiwaka makes his, make his spikes. Exactly. Essentially. And so... And I like the way that they, uh, I like the way that they end up uh, playing with that at the again during that very final rally, where they have that moment where he's setting up the spike to Ushiwaka, and he's like, you know, I like this is still the way I like to play, but dang it if it's not frustrating right now because it's showing, this is the weakness of not being of not pursuing to work more towards the group, 
Yeah, because, because there's all, no, all he can do is set set to Ushiwaka. Right. Uh, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're fine. And that's sort of contrasted with Sena. So Sena is a relatively minor character, but it's established that he was the team's former setter. Uh, but Shirabu replaced him because Sena was too focused on himself. He was a setter, but he was not like he was not deferring to Ushiwaka. He wanted just as much glory as Ushiwaka got. Right. Um, and the team couldn't tolerate that because it was a team that was centered on one individual. Um, so the way he's selfish is that he says, okay, if I'm not allowed to get all the glory as a setter, I don't even want to be a setter. I'll just be a pinch server because I have this really dynamite serve that I can do. And when I serve, I get all the glory to myself. Um, and then the last one is uh, Sutomu. Uh, so Sutomu, he, he defers a lot to Ushiwaka, but he's the same way in that he wants to... It's not that he wants to support the team. It's that he wants to be Ushiwaka. So even if he can't demand the sort of... Uh, the central role that Ushiwaka has, he sees that as the goal. The goal is to be the selfish center of attention who gets all the sets and makes all the plays. Uh, so... What what I I've, I thought it was interesting is that the the series tries to create some continuity even though everyone has their own motivations and narrative going in on the Shiratorizawa side, they all essentially have a a goal that is more about them as individuals than it is about the success of the team. The success of the team is incidental to right. their success as individuals. And it's. <clears throat> And going, uh, kind of building off of that, that kind of, again, in a lot of sports series, we have this, we have the big conflict between the two teams, and a lot of it comes down to <clears throat> ideals most of the time. It, it's the whole point of the game is that is not really about just the game itself. It's about what the two teams believe. It's a pretty common recurring thing, not only in sports series, but in a lot of like shonen battle type series. Right. And so going off of that, uh, what Haikyuu manages to do very well is not beat you over the head with this theming. Uh, because, you know, you can just watch this game, you can just watch the series and not take anything away from that. You know, you can watch just the beautiful animation, just, and have a great, you know, watch characters goof around and have fun on the court, and be totally fine with it. Yeah. But it plants the seeds in there to, like, let you see where just the major themes are coming from and how they're coming to a head. It's very subtle in the way it kind of buries it itself in there because in that regard, like the whole thing about Karasuno is that they're unified as a group uh, for victory because they want because they believe that they need to work together to get to there, whereas Shiratorizawa believes that they will inevitably end up there by working independently just through their talent and hard work. Right. Um, and, and you see that sort of on the court in that, uh, the, the, the strategy that the two teams take is Shir Shira Torizawa essentially relies on a single strategy, which is setting up Ushiwaka for success. He ends up scoring like half the points for right. the entire team by himself, uh, because that's their whole, their whole strategy is just to work, to give him the best opportunity to make an impact. Um, the difference is that Karasuno's style changes 
over and over throughout the match because they have they learn and they adapt. Sure, Torizawa doesn't ever really adapt to Karasuno at any point in the game. Um, they just use their individual strengths in slightly different ways, but they don't really adapt to, to Karasuno's style. Whereas by the end, Karasuno is playing in a way that they know will work against Shira Torizawa. So they, uh, I, I guess if anything becomes definitive, it's you, you see it in the last rally where uh, Karasuno wins by doing their, their multi-attack where they have one setter and then five spikers rush the net at the same time. So it's an all-offense, no-defense strategy where any one of the five could possibly make the 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 kill for the win um and so it's it's not about which one of them does it because any of them could do it it's about the fact that all of them are working together to do it that becomes their their signature style and sort of representative of you know luckily this this season didn't get too bogged down in uh like the the metaphors of right. the crow versus eagle, but that's really what it what it is is that they work as a team so that as a group they're stronger than any one individual and they're facing a group of individuals. And, um, uh, just let ahead. me point out something real quick. Uh, what we're talking about here is not necessarily like an uncommon theme that you find in a lot of sports series because yeah. yeah you'll find that in most everyone. What makes Haikyuu work is the fact that it's smart enough for you... It, it's it's confident enough in itself for you to get the point without having to beat it over your head. Yeah, and that's, that, that is, I think, the, the nice thing is that they never sit down and tell you any of these things, right? They You, you get to observe their different style uh, because you're watching them play volleyball. You're not saying right. like, oh, they, they 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 don't belabor the point too much. Um, realistically, like the the strength of the show is that it, it creates themes and it draws on themes from past seasons and it builds them up without having to beat you over the head with it. Um, the there there is a funny parallel. We were just talking about the, the the parallel between the the two teams, one being an individualistic and one being a group minded. You sort of see a, a, a similar issue uh, almost opposite between their two fan bases right so when you see the 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 shira torizawa fans they're all very unified they all have the same uniform on they all know all the same cheers they sort of have this overpowering uh ability to cheer whereas the karasuno fans most of them are just like high school students who had never been to one of the volleyball games before but they went to this one. They don't know the cheers. They can't cheer in sync very well. Um, and they're just sort of figuring it out as they go along. And the, again, that's another one of the really fun things about the series is that they, uh, like, I love how they establish that actually with, like, how the crowd is growing based on different types of characters who are showing up. Like, it really, like, because we've gone through the series and we've met a lot of these different characters at different points of the series. They weren't, like, really that important of characters, but they were... You know, we met them, and we got a little bit of their story, and we're seeing how all of that is coming together on Karasuno's end. And we can, like... Whereas here at Horizawa side, they're basically this just this one-block unit of, yeah. you know, we don't know these people, they're but they're all unified in this one goal. Whereas Karasuno, we... We see how they're unified 
based on the stories of all of these different characters that they've met throughout the series. And yeah, I know they have some other, like, you know, they have some random high school character, like, some other right. random high school students to fill up the bench, but, like, mo uh, so many of those characters, we know what the... I can't, you know, recite them all from memory, but they all have names. They've all had a... Maybe just, like, a brief appearance in the story. I mean, shoot, uh, very beginning of the season... We had Hinata's friends from middle school who we didn't, we haven't even seen since the first episode show yeah. up. Yep. No, it was uh, definitely. I think we we've mentioned it before, but one of my favorite scenes is where the the two fan bases are having a shouting match. Right. Uh, they're they're basically trying to out cheer one another, and eventually Karasuno's side gets silenced by. Shira Torizawa singing their school song, um, where they they sing and realize that they are the champions. They they are relaxed and confident in their identity, and Karasuno right. can't really shout back. Ultimately, you see that reflected at the end of the show when Shira Torizawa's fans are not sad over the fact that they lost; they're confused because they've never lost before. They're not accustomed to it. Uh, so they had their whole identity wrapped up in victory, whereas right. Karasuno is just kind of happy to be there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like they're just thrilled by the fact that they managed to pull this off. There's there's one other, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of parallels and there's a lot of ongoing themes here. But one that the, the show tries to emphasize a lot is uh, the parallel between Hinata and the coach of Shira Torizawa. Um sort of they're 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 very similar characters who took different paths so right. uh this is fleshed out through some flashbacks of shira torizawa's coach you know uh 40 years ago or or whatever when he was in high school he's about the same height as hinata and he was on the volleyball team but he was told that he could never play uh because he wasn't tall enough um ac how over the years he became very bitter with the fact that he wasn't allowed to play, so he decided to create the ultimate high school team that depended on strength and height, and he sees that represented in Ushiwaka. So Ushiwaka is sort of the platonic ideal of a volleyball player for this guy, uh, whereas Hinata is reprehensible to him because Hinata is the same same height as him. He's short, but he's still competing anyway, and he sort of resents the fact that Hinata is able right. to do it and he wasn't able to. Yeah, um, you had mentioned this before during our normal podcasting, that uh, one of the things that's really interesting about how they set that up is that there has to be the character uh, on the losing side that lear that learns the lesson. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, and they managed to do that, not with really any of the other players, but actually with the Shiratori Zawa coach, because he's the one who's pretty much instilled this mentality in the rest of the team. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, he's the coach. And, I mean, you just you can tell just by his age that, you know, he's probably been the coach there for a long time. He's the one who basically gives them this mindset. So he's the one who really needs to be brought down. Yeah, because you don't actually feel like you want to bring down Ushiwaka because you sympathize with him and you realize that he's a good guy and that you, you you like him as a character. He doesn't have a lesson to learn. The only thing that Ushiwaka needs to learn is to like have fun 
and uh, learn that there's a, a lot more people out there who he can compete with and sort of enjoy volleyball. Right. Um, but yeah, the, the coach of Shiratorizawa needs to learn that there's more than one way to play volleyball. He, he sort of internalized that the right way is to be big and strong. Um, right. But this, this taught him that there's a lot of ways to subvert that strength. Um, so yeah, that, that was the, the, the lesson, right? The, the person right. who needed to learn a lesson the, the most. Um, and it was a little, I don't know, it was a little on the nose because there were some certain lines where they're like, hey, he's short, I'm also short. How about that, right? Isn't it interesting how we're both short? And I want to beat you because you're short. But by the end, he says, because we're the same height, I know it'll be hard for you. So he starts to empathize. There were, there were parts on, on one level where I felt like it was a little too blatant. Uh, right. I think but, a couple times though they managed to they managed to keep it subtle enough where you could see the coach's uh, aggression. Like uh, there's this one scene where the where two of his assistants are talking to one another and he go <clears throat> and they mention like, hey, you know, isn't that little? It's like isn't that little guy? Isn't he roughly around the same height as the little giant? And then the coach immediately interrupts him. He's like, no, bigger is better. Yeah. Like the fact that he's just so set in his ways that he doesn't even want to hear about this. You know, this clear other piece of evidence that has shown, you know, you can work around this, but he doesn't want to hear it. Right. And what a bad show would have done is they'd have had that line, and then they would have had some internal monologue with the Shiratorizawa coach, where he thought, uh, I believe that being bigger is better, and I, I didn't like the little giant. He was weak then. Uh, re, like, I know that Ushiwaka is better than him. You know, it would have gone into it, but it didn't have to. It didn't have right. to have him justify his statement. It was obvious from his statement that he was on edge and defensive about it. Um, and you could, could interpret why. So, yeah, even if it was a little on the nose sometimes, overall, uh, it was good. It's funny for me to talk about being on the nose because I, like, can't breathe through my nose right now because <laughs> <laughs> I'm so congested. But, um, yeah, honestly, th there was a lot of fun threads that ran through this series um and this season specifically that i think at the at the end of the day none of the the single themes were revolutionary none of them changed my life but like what they were was a a traditional sports show executed just about as well as it can be executed right so the themes <laughs> were strong they were as subtle as they they needed to be but they were very present and recognizable um, but they were they were really consistent, and you felt like everything that was introduced was introduced for a reason, and it was resolved. Um, right. So, do you think, like overall, lo looking back on this season, were there any specific scenes that stuck out to you particularly? Um, what <clears throat> the scenes that stuck out to me the most were the scenes that made you feel like. It just it was the little touches that really mattered that that just mattered the most like for example like during the animation uh whenever they duck down to like do the big blocks when they do like the unified blocks they always uh while the well the jumps are always synchronized when all of them duck down they're just they're just slightly off of off a of beat from one another uh because you know because that's how people really move it's like, or, uh, for example, or, 
like, I just love, like, little details, like, out in the audience, like, at the very end of the series, when everybody is, like, when Karasuno saw, uh, like, when they're all crying, and you go out into the crowd, and you see everybody just erupting in cheers, and, uh, you see the, the assistant manager to the team, uh, just sort of pass out, and, uh, Sayako, who's, uh, Tanaka's older sister, just catch her. Uh, just stuff like that, where the animation, it's like a... It's like a stylized reality. Yeah. Uh, because every because everything feels very crisp. The camera knows where to follow. Like, it knows where to look to get you... To basically get the best shot <clears throat> of the en- where the energy is coming from. Like, it, one of the things I love about it so much is that it always knows to follow the ball. Yeah, that's what like, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Like, it knows to follow the ball, not the movements of the characters. Because they know that's where the energy is. It's, uh, that's where the energy is going. And it's just, and it creates some really wonderfully and beautifully shot, uh, sequences. Like, I love, for example, uh, there's just one scene that sticks out to me in particular, and that's when, uh... Hinata uh, first gets struck in the face with the spike from the ball from yeah. Ushiwaka. And the the camera knows to... Because uh, it's... Like, you can see the ball dropping down on Hinata's face from the side. It, it goes in just slow enough motion so that you don't really know what's going on there. Like, it doesn't seem like it's too bad. And you get to... And you kind of watch Hinata's face turn... As it hits his face, and all the and then it sort of pauses, and then all of a sudden time restarts, and you hear the smack against his face, and you see the ball, and the camera just jumps up and watches the uh, the ball fly up into the air, and you know that Kinata just got hit real bad. Yeah, that, I I love the impact. Like at, at the end of the day, right. the, the the scenes where they animate impact well are the ones that stick with me. Right. Uh, for for me, I think, I it, it's funny because there there's so many amazing action sequences, but the the first two that came to mind were, uh, it was at the the end of episode nine when uh, so Suki had been injured. He had. Right. Uh, been sitting out he'd been getting treated and then at the end of episode nine as they're going into the very end of the fifth set he jogs back onto the court and for some reason the animation on him jogging into the court is so detailed you could you feel <laughs> like he's a real person in it you know right. and they they have such attention to detail on this simple jogging motion right where uh you know you see his individual's hairs moving basically um and what I like about that is that they use detailed animation as a way to communicate energy. Uh, right. So even if it is not a specifically energetic movement, he's just jogging. He has a lot of emotional energy going into it. He's like, I'm finally back. I can be right. a part of this. I need to be here. Like, uh, So he communicates all that without saying a word because of how it's animated. Same thing, that, but the second scene was with uh, Kageyama. Um going into the last set he was actually benched because he was just he just ran out of gas um but as 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 the set goes on they eventually set him up to come back in and replace sugawara 
and he's standing next to the court and he's jumping up and down and they animate it so particularly and so attentively that just him jumping up and down you can see the nervous energy and the emotional energy that he's bringing onto the court so i love the fact that they don't just a, a normal series even would would reserve its animation budget for action sequences where stuff is happening they, and you know what? It would be forgiven for doing that, too. Exactly. You know, why wouldn't you? And this show certainly does that. The action is amazing. But they also pay a lot of attention to the wherever there's emotional energy, even if it's not, like, a, a traditional action moment. So that's one right. of, what, just one of the many things I love about this show. Um, I... Yeah, go ahead. See, because I just... I love the way that they use the animation, too, to actually, like tell just little bits of the story or give just the characters just a little bit of extra personality. Like at the very first episode, it's still etched into my mind when they're doing the, the character introductions and everybody's running off into the court and you have all of these different scenes, you have all these different, uh, all the different members of Karasuno running out onto the, onto the court and they're all high-fiving, like they're high-fiving their instructor, their instructor, uh, high-fiving Kyoko and they're high-fiving uh, Kochu Kai and they're like everybody oh, does it yeah. differently yeah, yeah like yeah. Shuki Shik, uh, Suki just runs out and he kind of gives everybody just sort of a gentle high-five whereas like Tanaka he runs out and he gives just he winds up both hands and he slams his hands down on the instructor and on Kochu Kai but you know he's a little gentler with Kyoko and again yeah. it's like <laughs> you don't even have to animate that but yeah it, Again, but, they're trying. They're giving every scene just a little bit of extra personality. Yeah, this this show is full of personality. It's it's really well done. So I think it's probably obvious uh, from what we've said in this uh, recap and review whether we would recommend it. But why don't why don't you go ahead, would, Matt? Would you recommend uh, Haikyuu season three and to whom? I would recommend season uh, Haikyuu season three. Okay. Um, you need to watch the first two series, uh, the first two seasons first. Now, I don't think I'm asking too much because those are a great ride as well. Yeah. But I would pretty much recommend Haikyuu uh, season three to pretty much anybody who would watch those first two. And if they hadn't, I tell them to watch them first just so they can watch the season. Yeah, because this season refuses to give background. It doesn't give any context. It assumes that you've watched the first two seasons. Um, I'm pretty much in the same boat. I think that this is... It's one of those series that has a really broad appeal. The reason that it's successful... It's it's a sports anime that actually... um, it sells itself to male and female audiences, so there's, it has a balanced approach in terms of it has something for everybody. It doesn't pander to any one demographic. Uh, so I, I'd say, honestly, if you find it possible to enjoy sports anime, like, that's the <laughs> one requirement. Like, some people right. just won't watch sports anime, period. I would say, one, that that's a mistake. Two, they're probably not listening to this podcast anyway. But um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, for those people, I would say still say maybe check out Haikyuu. Just yeah, give it a little bit right. of a watch. Uh, so it's so <laughs> our our recommendation is literally anyone should watch Haikyuu. <laughs> you know, because I think I really think it's one of those series that it's worth watching just for the spectacle alone. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
watch IQ, you I, I don't know anyone who's watched IQ who's regretted it. And that's pretty much the highest compliment I can give. Yeah. All right. So I think that that's all we've got for today. Thank you for joining me, Matt. I, I appreciate oh, anytime. your time. And can you uh, go ahead and hit the credits for me? Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow Koshiencast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiencast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training.